we are a people business, right? So that's the first thing we have to accept. We are a people business. We are more of a people business than maybe any other business serving adults on earth. Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Pat Rigsby. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, a deep thought that I think will make your life a little bit better in the weeks and months going forward. But let's start with what's been going on, what is new in my neck of the woods. If you follow the show every week, probably not a lot's changed. I feel like I'm in a pretty good rhythm here right now. Coaching is starting to slow down in the sense that Tyrell is gone. By the time you listen to this, the draft will have come and gone. So hopefully that is a successful evening for him. But Ty's gone. Glenn and Dakota will be gone here in short order. Keelan went back home for a little bit. So pretty light in my neck of the woods. The only thing that could disrupt that, um, and that I've got a feeling is going to disrupt that, is basically Thanksgiving through the first or second week in January, all my college kids are going to be back. I can't imagine them going anywhere else. They're basically going to be kicked off of their campus because they don't want kids coming home, going to family gatherings, and then going back, trying to minimize that, obviously, to uh, prevent the spread of COVID. So I do think I'm going to have uh, a little bit of work to keep me engaged over the next couple weeks. But excited to see where all my guys end up between the draft, between free agency. A lot's going to happen. So hopefully come, you know, next week or the week thereafter, I have some good updates for you on where all my basketball guys land. So I've got that. The sports season is ramping up for for the kiddos. Kate has basketball practices and games weekly now. First game last week, a little bit rough around the edges, but I think some things to grow on. Definitely uh, had some moments where he played some pretty good defense. Got a shot up, so that I was impressed by that. Part of the problem was that happened in about the first two to three minutes of the game, and then there were long stretches of boredom throughout the middle. But I fully expect him to keep getting better. We've been going out back, working on our game a little bit, trying to teach him just some basic things. So excited to see how he does. Unfortunately for Team Robertson, I think a lot of people in our area are struggling this right now, but basically how the schools are operating is if one person in your class gets corona, then the entire class shuts down. So I've heard about certain high schools where there's 2,100 kids in the school and only like 800 are actually at school because there's so many cases um, or, or so much of this idea of, hey, if one kid has it, we're going to shut the whole class down. So anyway, that's basically what's happened here. Kate's still in school. Kindle's out for a week. So I got some extra time with her, try and find some things to do with her during the day whenever I can. But kind of slowed my role a little bit. We were in such a great rhythm and a great routine. That's okay though. I'm excited to have her around. Just any kind of extra time I get with either kiddo at this point, I'm happy with. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what's new in our neck of the woods. Now, before I let you go and before we jump into this episode with Pat, I want to get you thinking about something that I've really been deep diving back into. And I talked about it a little bit last week with the idea of getting off social media a little bit more really becoming more intentional in the things that I do, but also in my learning, because I think this is something that I'd gotten away from. Back in the day, it was really easy to read an article or read something for school and I could remember it, right? Because I wasn't just overwhelmed with information. You know, if I wanted to read it, I would read it. It was easier to remember. I didn't have to write as much down. But now we're constantly inundated with blogs and articles and videos and podcasts So something that I've had to do a better job of myself is creating what I call intentional learning environments versus more passive learning. So I'll I'll explain to you how I'm doing this, and maybe it'll be something that you find useful. So for example, and I was just having this discussion with Bill today because Bill creates such amazing content. And if you're not subscribed to his YouTube and his Instagram, like please pause this now and go do that. Because the guy is brilliant. He's constantly pushing the envelope, constantly making us think. But part of my morning routine is when I drive too high fast in the morning, I watch whatever video he created the day before. 
Now I'm behind a little bit, but I watched this video that he posted the other day about shoulder impingements and the different types of impingements, the tests that you would use, but how it actually correlates back to his compression expansion model and how you would apply things differently. And man, I was like, dude, this is like brilliant. So there are certain videos where it's more of a refresher. So I just watched the video and kind of chalk it up to, okay, this is something that I kind of already know and I feel comfortable with versus that video. Now that's something I want to be a little bit more intentional about. So even though it's only say a 12 minute video, I watched it once, I kind of got the gist of it. I got the big rocks, but now I want to go in because there's certain videos that he's created where I want to go in and not just listen to the whole thing. It's like, I want to take down notes and there's specific details, like two or three second snippets that he might blow through that are absolutely and massively impactful to what you're trying to do as a trainer or a coach or a rehab professional. So what I would challenge you to do is I'm okay with passive learning when that's necessary, right? Like if you're just trying to broadly absorb something or you want to expose yourself to something new, that's great. But if something's really powerful, scan it once, be passive about it that first time, but then earmark it and go back to it a second time. And that's what I found myself doing more and more, whether it's with Bill's videos, whether it's with you know specific topics that I'm diving into. So like a topic I'm pretty intrigued by right now is this whole idea of tendinopathy. I've had a handful of athletes, and especially if you're in basketball, you see a lot of especially patellar or knee tendinopathies. So really trying to dive into some of the big stuff there, right? Like what kind of treatments are you using? What's happening at the muscle tendon junction? You know, what creates stiffness? What are the protocols you should be using? So like I'm really diving in and then I'll take very intentional notes on that and then going back and then listening to that in another sense, right? So this is what I mean by intentional learning. It's you scan something once passively, the second time you go in and you take notes on it and you're intentional in what you're trying to learn. And then if it's really good, you dive deeper into it. So, you know, maybe you find other topics or other resources that, that follow suit with this. So there's a lot of ways you can take this and apply it. But I think this is something we're going to have to get better about as we get inundated more and more with information and we have the resources out there to take in more information, that's great, but we also have to make sure it's usable and make sure that we're intentional on in how we take it in so that we fully understand it and we fully grasp it. It's not something that we've just kind of loosely been exposed to and then think that we understand it because that's not how it works. So anyway, I think that's something that hopefully would be beneficial to you is kind of this multi-phased process of learning from passive to more intentional practices. And I know it's something that I've been doing here for the last couple months, and I feel like it's made a really powerful impact in my cognition and my ability to understand concepts. And I think probably the most important thing is it's made learning a lot more fun because I feel like I'm retaining and getting so much more out of the things that I'm working on. Okay, that's enough for me. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with my guy, Pat Rigsby. It seems like almost every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who was frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. The exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym, from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. And last but not least, I've added an entire section on my assessment process and how to use that to write programs faster and more effectively than ever before. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the certification is all about. Now, here's the thing. Spots for the certification will open twice per year for a limited time only. 
If you're interested in learning more, my next certification will launch in March 2021. And if you join my free insiders list, you'll be able to save $200 when it opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com, and then stay tuned for our launch emails coming very soon. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Pat Rigsby is someone I would describe as a serial entrepreneur. Over the years, he's built over a dozen businesses as either a CEO or co-owner with five becoming million-dollar or multi-million-dollar ventures. Today, however, Pat's focused on helping fitness business owners create their ideal business and ultimately getting the most out of their lives. In this show, Pat and I cover a ton of fitness business-related topics, starting with his thoughts on when it might be time to open your own business, why his three-step process of attract, convert, deliver is so crucial, and why there are no more truly offline fitness businesses these days. There are a ton of business lessons in this episode, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Pat, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Super excited to have you back on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Man, I'm excited to be here. So, wow, a little bit about me. Well, I have been in the fitness or sports performance industry since like 1994. Started out college baseball coach, college strength coach, teaching at a university, moved into the private sector in the early 2000s, have owned, I guess, 32 owned or co-owned 32 businesses in the fitness industry, everything from franchise organizations to certification organizations to local training businesses, health clubs, you name it. Now I do almost exclusively business coaching with fitness, health, sports performance, entrepreneurs, and hang out with my family and (laughs) coach youth baseball and all that fun stuff. That's awesome. Lots of of similarities there. And I know we're both gluttons for punishment. You're far more successful with the youth coaching thing. I feel like your boys are are crushing it in baseball. I'm just happy when like my kids don't cry at any given practice or game. So maybe (laughs) maybe that's what I need to be uh, consulting with you on. How do I be a better Uh, youth coach? it, It is an ever evolving process. And I am reminded of my shortcomings on a weekly basis. Yes. 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 So obviously had you on the show before. We'll link to that in case you didn't listen to it. You need to. It's fantastic. But what's new in your neck of the woods, man? Like what what has been going on for the last year or two since we've had you on? Gosh. So new in my neck of the woods, obviously, you know, I've got you know, several hundred people in our coaching programs that, you know, our business owners navigating the, the pandemic and, you know, trying to figure out how to best move their business forward. I know we're going to talk about some of that fun stuff today. For sure. And I've got my 19 year old stepson off starting his freshman year at college. So that's a kind of an interesting environment <laughs> to have your freshman year kind of Work through my younger one just turned 10 just a few days ago. That's and exciting. then we just moved maybe, I don't know, like a 15 minute walk. So still kind of in the same neighborhood, but moved into a new house that's kind of, uh, I think I probably couldn't ask for a better layout for two, two people. My wife, Holly, and I both work at home. Right. And then, you know, a bunch of kids in the neighborhood, big area to play in the back for Alex and all that stuff. So we're in the midst of navigating a move and doing all the fun little renovation update stuff to kind of make it what you want when you move in. So anybody who's gone through that, I'm sure can relate to the joys of moving. Yes. What, what happened to the sports room? For those that didn't know, like your garage was like the coolest garage ever. There was like a basketball hoop in there. I mean, like, it was just very cool. What happened to that? Well, so I have a like almost 500 pound roll of turf in the garage here that has to be put down. But we've got some 
So we'll raise the rails for the garage door so they're up against the ceiling so there's more open space and put the the padding up that you'd see under like a basketball hoop or whatever up around. So we've got all that in the works, but probably not going to start on it until next week. Okay. But yeah, so so think since since you got to to, to see what the old garage there was, uh, think that multiplied by two. Oh wow. Two point. Yeah, like that's going to be awesome. Yeah, because this is like a three car garage, a, a lot of space, so it'll nice. be fun. That's awesome, man. Okay, so obviously you've been around before. We've talked numerous times, not just on the show, but you know through business relationships, all that good stuff. So I'm just going to dump in with arguably the toughest question first. How does a new trainer, coach, or rehab professional know they're ready to stop, quote, working for the man and go out on their own? So I think, you know, in some ways it's kind of a loaded question, right? Because I don't know that you, you know, when you say, you know, right, that that's kind of with a hundred percent conviction or something, right. right? So I don't, I don't know that you ever have that because it's such a big step that there are always going to be doubts or questions or, you know, I mean, you're just embarking on things that you can't forecast no matter how well you're prepared. Yeah. But I think that you, you have to be in a position where you feel comfortable and confident in taking far more responsibility than you've ever taken, right? Because now it's on you. It is, you know, the, the generation of clients, the ability to pay bills, the, the, the quality of service provided in the past, you know, you, you've had other people playing a role in all, or at least some of that, no matter what your role was, until you reach that point that you are leaning into personal responsibility to kind of an insane degree, because I think that business owners probably are, are kind of shouldering more personal responsibility than anybody else Yep. in, in the normal world here. I mean, they like in, until you're ready for that, you, you probably need to stay under the employment of somebody else. Yeah. But when you have a drive and a passion to go out there and do some bigger things or do do something and you feel very comfortable saying, you know what, I'm OK with the results being all on my shoulders. That's the time. And, and I think I, I know in my case, when I was a college baseball coach, it was kind of it kind of hit me between the eyes. We had finished fifth at the World Series and the soccer men's soccer team had not won a conference game the pre, that that same year. And we got our new budgets and they were the exact same budgets. I had the exact same <laughs> budget line by line that they had. And I was like, look, no, I am happy to take the responsibility for building something and, you know, everything that goes with it. But I want the rewards to match yes. the effort. And that was kind of when it hit me that I probably wasn't going to be able to do that in, you know, a university setting, let alone a state university setting. I needed to go out and pursue a business ownership path that, that allowed me to kind of take more of the, the responsibility, but in turn have more upside when it came to the rewards, yes. so to speak. Yes. You know, I always joke around that, and I, it is a joke, but I always say, you know, like I just realized at a certain point that I was basically unemployable because I yeah. always kept thinking like, oh, I wouldn't do this like this or I could do this better. But something that I wrote down when you were talking, I think there's this moment where, like you said, you never know. You never know for sure. Is this the right move? It's like any big life decision. But I think the thing that I wrote down was you've got to be ready for the risk, right? You're ready for the risk. You know that you know, you could put all of your best efforts into this and it may not work. But at the same time, you're ready to take that risk, knowing that, hey, at the end of the day, if this does work out, then the rewards will be definitely worth it for me. Yeah. And, you know, and I think everybody has like they kind of fall in this spot on this continuum of their kind of that opportunity and security continuum. Yeah. You know, if you want more opportunity, then you probably have to give up a little bit less security. Yes. but. You know, I, I think what we're seeing in the pandemic right now is some of that security was was maybe fool's gold, right? Like mm -hmm. still somebody is having to make the decision. Will this business continue? Will we have to downsize? Will we have to change the way that we operate? 
And what are the repercussions of that? Now, for me, I was always the person that, yeah, I, I would tell you that unless something extreme happened, because obviously us both having families, you're going to do whatever you have to do to provide for your family. Yep. I am completely unemployable. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that I was just always somebody who said, you know, I'm I'm OK betting on me. Yes. And, you know, it doesn't mean I'm smart or talented or whatever else. It's just it's like, what, you know, I know what a lot of people aren't willing to do. And I'm probably willing to do some of the things they're not. So, right. That can be a competitive advantage. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things that you say to betting on me. I love that. Okay. So let's say somebody is interested in, in going out and starting their own business. And I remember this after I sent you the questions, but like in programming or when you're starting with a new client or a new athlete, I always think there's like a three-step process, right? There's assess, there's program, there's coach. In your world, you have attract, convert, deliver. Am I correct? Those mm -hmm. are the three? Okay, yep. perfect. So would you walk us through what each of those steps means and why they're important to running a successful fitness business. So attract, convert, deliver. I think that the the stuff that you just alluded to is a lot of that deliver bucket, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're talking about the, the programming side of it, it's what does the client who's under my care get? And then what is their experience while they're getting this? That's deliver. Yeah. But if we back it up, you know, we have to attract that client, like we need to go through this process where we first become aware of one another, because right now there are plenty of people out there that that you can help. But right now they may be invisible to you and you may be invisible to them. Mm -hmm. So you need to become aware of one another and then they need to give you permission to to follow up. There needs to be kind of that beginning of a conversation. And that's a track. Yep. So, you know, a lot of times people will put out, you know, they'll put out an ad, they'll put out a lead magnet, they'll write a book, they'll, they'll go as a guest on a podcast to become more visible to people who might potentially be, be their client. And ideally, they're going to get permission to follow up with that person. Now, typically, like I would get permission to follow up with somebody like I would give away a copy of my book in exchange for somebody's contact information. You have put together, you know, over, over the years, a number of lead magnets, like basically you're giving somebody something of value in permission to continue the conversation. Yep. And that's really all attract is. And, you know, you need to figure out who, who your person is that you want to attract. But, you know, some of that, if you're in a local business, some of that's done for you by geography. Some of it is probably done for us by demographics. We know, okay, they've got to be able to, you know, afford our services or partake in our services. Just, I mean, there's some just simple data that we can use there, but a lot of it, and I think this gets missed in, in our industry, is driven by desire. Yes. You know, I think the biggest thing about somebody wanting to become a client at a facility like IFAST or, you know, work with a trainer just in any way is there has to be a desire because it's a big ask. It's yes. not only are you spending money, but you're getting out of your comfort zone. You're adding something to your schedule on a very regular basis. You're probably doing something that you're not very good at right now. Right. Right. Yep. And so, so we need somebody that has a strong desire. And, you know, I think, I think a lot of times when people are trying to figure out, well, who who my ideal person is, who my prospect is, get caught up in this demographic side of things. And I had like when I moved into my my previous house, my next door neighbor was one of the founders of Long John Silvers. Right. <laughs> like he was right? one of the, the co-founders of Long John Silvers. I mean, massive franchise. I mean, the guy had. More money than than most of us like listening to this combined right. probably had right. <laughs> Does he have the means to do it? If you had a studio in that area, would he be in proximity to you? All, all like he'd meet all those criteria, but he had no interest in ever doing anything fitness wise. I mean, we right. talked about fitness some, and no no interest <laughs> in any of that at all. So the desire wasn't there. Like you could have charged fifty dollars a month, and he wasn't going to be interested. So. I think that understanding like what problem can I solve and who has the desire to solve that problem 
That's a big piece of that attract bucket. And then we go to convert. And basically all that is, is taking these prospects and moving them along this path to becoming a client. So there needs to be some follow-up where we get them to know us and like us and trust us and ultimately be willing to make a commitment to, to, to really kind of become a client, somebody under our care to solve the problem or reach their goal. And, you know, for me, I know for you, the, the convert unit typically involves some emails and podcasts where you're building a relationship with somebody and hopefully you're displaying some valuable expertise and you're, you're saying, look, I've got something of value that can help you go from where you are to where you aspire to be. And then you make an offer, you know, whether that be a sales consultation or a sales page or whatever else, but we're making an offer to move that relationship from prospect to client. Yeah. And, and, and that's it. I, I mean, I think that if you can do attract, convert, deliver profitably, you can run a business. If you can do attract, convert, deliver profitably, and then you can do them systematically, you can scale a business. Yes. So yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think the great point here, and, and I hadn't heard you say it like this before, but when you talked about the deliver is like what we think of as coaching. Right. It's like once the person mm-hmm. comes into your door, can you deliver an experience or a training effect, whatever? But this is what I always tell young coaches. And this I, I've had this discussion numerous times with interns and they're like, oh, you know, I love IFAS. I want to build something like this. I'm going to go open an IFAS. And I'm like, no, 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 like, no, like get really good at the deliver side first and then think about the other pieces, because this is this is the holdup, right? And like I always tell people, when you open your own business, like you said, you're taking on all this responsibility, right? And it's not just, you're not just responsible for the delivery anymore, but you're also in charge of the attraction and the conversion. Whereas if you go work at a big box gym for six months or a year, you kind of let them handle some of that. You may start to take some of that role, but you can get really good at the deliverable first, and then you can start layering mm-hmm. in those other pieces down the line. Yeah, I mean, honestly, some of the things that, probably get under my skin if, if something does. I try to be pretty even keel about most things, but I see a lot of people in the internet world that they're happy to sell you a solution to a problem that doesn't actually solve the problem, right? Like there are plenty of gurus in every field that they will sell you, they'll sell you leads or ads or whatever else, they'll sell you weight loss, but there are, but it's a hollow promise, right? Right. So they they focus a lot on attract and convert, but they don't have anything with delivery. And I think that all good businesses that stand the test of time are really strong in that deliver component. Yep. If they're really strong in the deliver component, then you know they've got they they've got the potential for longevity, they've got the potential for repeat business, they've got the potential for referral business. But if you're strong in attract and convert, but bad at deliver, then it's just a revolving door that eventually you kind of get exposed as a fraud. Yes. Yes. Love it. Okay. So obviously a few things have changed in 2020. So I've got what amounts to a two question, two part question here for you. Number one, Mm -hmm. and again, this is based on all the people that you work with, consult with. Number one, how has the fitness industry been impacted in the short term by COVID, by the pandemic? And number two, how do you see it being impacted in the long term? So beyond just 2020 or 2021, how do you see us changing or evolving going forward? All right. I think in the short term, I think a lot of businesses that were not relationship focused and they were very program focused or equipment focused probably took it even more on the chin than than anybody else. I think that, you know, we've seen a lot of the 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 training or, you know, service-based franchises, uh, a lot of the health clubs, they probably took it on the chin a little bit more than anybody else because they weren't adaptable. Everything was based around a program that was housed inside their four walls or their equipment housed inside their four walls. Right. And so they've probably been hit the hardest. I think that the businesses that were very client centric have been the ones to 
weather the storm the most effectively. Right. Because they, A, had good relationships with clients. So there was probably going to be a little bit more patience for the client to stick around. The client felt connected. A lot of our kind of our social side of things was, was throttled back for a number of months. So, you know, if there was a, a strong relationship, people were less likely to want to give that up or put that on hold. But then they also, because they were more client centric and not just a, equipment centric, they could adapt to programming to still serve the client under whatever constraints they were faced with, whether that be limiting the the number of people who can come in a facility at once or train like so many of my people ended out training people over zoom uh, and they were able to adapt and meet more of the client's immediate needs at the time a lot of it was just feeling connected and, and feeling like they were doing something to relieve stress or whatever else it may not have been as body composition focused as it been, had been in the past so right. so i saw a lot of people become very creative I saw a lot of business owners do things like integrate coffee with the coach or mindfulness type sessions or happy hour or, you know, or even, you know, doing different things with nutrition and cooking and all these things that maybe they weren't doing before because they just, you know, the, the business centered around people coming into the facility. But now, they adapted to meet the experience their clients were having. Heck, I know even with my clients, man, I hired Sinbad, the comedian, to do a comedy night for my clients, right? right? So, you know, but the industry in the short term, we certainly saw, you know, there were a few people who probably got squeezed out. Like they just, you know, their business didn't survive. And at least from my experience in the people that I saw that happen to the majority, not all, but the majority of them were kind of living on borrowed time anyway. They were not right, you know, healthy businesses. And this just was kind of like the last nail in the coffin. So what does that mean going forward? Well, I think that in the immediate future, so like the next 12 to 18 months, I think that group training as it had been, which is interesting because so many of the franchises that had popped up, right? Like the Orange Theories, the F45s, whatever else had been very high volume group training centric. Yeah. I think a lot of the the larger group training stuff is still going to be kind of weakened. I don't know that it's going to be the same everywhere because it seems like every state and then now, you know, every country has kind of their own way of dealing with this. But you know, I don't think we're going to go back to group training as it was in the beginning of 2019 or the you know even the beginning of 2020, where it was just thriving. You know, I think we'll see more one-on-one training. I think we'll see more semi-private training. I think small group training. You know, the the groups of six, seven, eight people. I think that's going to thrive. I think that some of the stuff in our industry has kind of been exposed by how little support people got in between in-person training sessions. Yep. So I think that we'll see more businesses addressing support between those three time a week in-person training sessions. We'll see people probably starting to address more wellness in a holistic approach, whether that be mindfulness or recovery or whatever else. I mean, you know, all, all this stuff that I think that a lot of the people who are leaders in our industry and are progressive thinkers already kind of gravitate towards. But I think that there's more consumer awareness about it. So there'll be more opportunity to make it a, a profitable, viable part of a business. And then, you know, I think there's going to be certainly growth in online and hybrid training. I, I just think that 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 big hurdle of getting people to embrace doing something virtually at least some of the time we're past right i think at this yeah. point everybody's been on some sort of video session yep and so doesn't mean that people don't still want to go into a gym and have that experience and be in person of course a lot of people do but I also think that there may be days that somebody say, you know, it's cool. I'll just do something online this morning. You know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm hurried. Or, you know, I don't think that people are always going to feel like they have to default in the past. Like if I had a dentist appointment when I was supposed to come to my 9 a.m. session, then you just miss. 
Right. Right. Well, now, hey, there's on demand <clears throat> stuff. So people have access. They can have access to a recorded session. They can jump on a live streaming session later. So, you know, I think that this is probably going to push the evolution of our industry to be a better solution for the people that we serve. Yeah. So, I mean, it's exciting. It's, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the, the improvements that seem to happen anywhere in life are preceded by some sort of adversity. And so it, it took this to to kind of get there. But I think that as a whole, you know, we're probably going to be better for it. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and this kind of segues beautifully into my next question, because we've all talked to or interacted with fitness business owners that are adamant, like I'm an offline business, either I'm scared to go online or I don't know how to go online. So for that person that now has kind of gotten rudely awakened in all this, right? Maybe they've gone through that period where they've had to shut down and they have no income. How do you kind of get them started in that world of online training or online coaching? How do you start to get them comfortable there? Well, the first thing to accept is there are no more offline businesses. Yeah. They're just businesses, right? Right. And even the people that said they were offline businesses, a lot of them, they've got a Facebook group. They take payments through MindBody or Zen Planner. They have an email list. They may occasionally, their clients could text them if they need to reschedule. So they're not an, an offline business, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we are a people business, right? So that's the first thing we have to accept. We are a people business. We are more of a people business than maybe any other business serving adults on earth. Right. Because my dentist sees me a couple times a year, right? The person that cuts my hair sees me, you know, every few weeks. Like we see people three, four times a week. Yeah. So we're we're a people business. And so understanding that our job is to coach somebody to provide some accountability, to provide some motivation, to share our expertise with them and to help them achieve their goals. We want to use whatever tools we have available to do that. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people get bogged down in the technology thinking this is about technology. Technology is just a way to make the facilitation of our client success easier. So, I mean, that's why we take payments with MindBody instead of collecting checks every time somebody walks in, right? We're just streamlining something to make the process easier. So I would never let technology be the master here, right? Like, I mean, you can film a video on your smartphone and you can put it in a folder in Google Drive and share it with a client. and they can execute that exercise. Now you can create a spreadsheet in Google sheets, share it with a client, hyperlink it to those videos. Now they have a program with the videos to show them how to execute that program. Yeah. So we don't, I mean, sure you can use exercise.com or trainerize or PT distinction or true coach or, you know, any number of these other resources out there. And I think, their technology. So they all solve a lot of problems and they all probably have a few hiccups. And, you know, I don't think any one of them is perfect. And I think the people that get bogged down with that are making uh, a, a huge mistake because I see this as just, it, it's like our gym yep. online, right? So when you first started training, you didn't have iFast. Like when I met you, you didn't right. have iFast. I remember sitting in a Starbucks with you and Bill planning iFast. Right. And then when you opened iFast, there was one bay. And then you expanded to two bays. Yep. Because you weren't letting the the physical facility impede your ability to serve people. Right. Right. You didn't have all the equipment you have now. You can improve on that and you can add to that toolbox. But as long as I can get a program and facilitate my client's ability to execute that program to them, right. And hold them accountable. I can hit that deliver unit. Yep. And I mean, I know we were delivering distance coaching programs in 2004 when I had my first training business because I was doing stuff for a couple baseball programs. So I would email them stuff and 
then we were next to Fort Knox military base. So when somebody moved away, I wanted to keep them on their membership. Right. So it's like, well, we'll send you your program and you can do it on base. And I, I mean, the, the most technology confused person on the planet now could deliver something better than I was delivering effectively in 2004. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is something that I try and express to people too, because there is a sense of overwhelm, you know, they, they start to realize, oh, okay, so I've got a, I already write programs, so I know how to do that, but then I've got to hyperlink stuff and all that. And, or I, maybe I've got to go to an online platform like True Coach or like Trainerize or like Train Heroic. And so what I always try and explain to people is, look, like when I started doing this in like 2006, I think is when I started 2006, 2007, it's like an Excel document, right? Or <laughs> people would send me their static posture photos because video wasn't a thing. You know, it's like I'm basing decisions off of that to where it is now. Like in, in the product development world, they call it MVP, minimum viable product, right? Can you just take the programs you're writing now, put a hyperlink in them so that people know how to execute the exercise correctly? Like that alone is a huge step in the right direction. And that makes you viable. So don't get inundated or don't get caught up in the minutia, like just start doing it and the process will improve over time, right? Like you don't just stop coaching because you're not a great coach the first year you do it. You know, I, I, I tell people constantly, like you've got to be okay with being bad at something to earn the right to be good at it. Yeah. Right. Like anything meaningful we're going to have to earn our stripes with like, yeah. you don't get to go be great on video. You don't get to go be great at golf. You don't get to go be great at any of that stuff without practice. So you, you just have to go put something out there, but don't lose sight. I would tell anybody trying to get started in the online training world. It's not about technology. It's about the client. And if the client feels cared for and can execute the plan that you two have collaborated to decide, we'll move them from where they are to where they want to be. That's what they want. Yep. And the simpler you can make it, the happier they are and the better compliance there will be. Yes, I love it. So obviously you consult, you coach a ton of fitness business owners. What is the biggest or most common excuse you hear as to why someone can't or maybe won't get started online coaching? Tech. I'm just, yeah. I can't do technology. I'm overwhelmed by technology. Like, man, you've known me for a long time. I'm not exactly a tech savant. And there are all sorts of ways around that. I find ways to do what I need to do without, you know, making tech the bottleneck. And then there are plenty of people out there that you can pay a, a kind of, a, you know, a pittance to get some of the tech problems solved. I mean, you can go on Fiverr or Upwork and get a lot of those things solved for you pretty inexpensively. Yeah. And, you know, with like if somebody says, well, I can't send emails to people or whatever else because the tech side, of, I mean, things like ConvertKit are drag and drop. So they're yeah, very exactly. visual. They're very intuitive. So, you know, don't never let technology prevent you from changing somebody's life. I mean, it's just a tool to help you do it more effectively and more efficient. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Okay. So last but not least, we've got our lightning round and normally I only give like three or four, but I've got like six here and your answer <laughs> can be as short or long as you like, cause there's a nice blend of things here. So number one, what's your favorite memory from being a baseball coach? All told like all of it or is a college baseball coach. Mm, you go either way, whatever stands out to you. So all of it combined, my, my younger son has an autoimmune condition and he missed like a month of school, like two years ago. Right. So he didn't get to play the first month of the season with his baseball team. He was really, I mean, it was a really scary time for us and you were familiar with it, yeah. like through our relationship. Right. So his first time back, first game back, First time ever pitching, like in kid pitch, lights out, just wow. dominant. And, you know, he's the youngest kid in the tournament at the time, whatever else. And so he comes off the field and the whole thing was really emotional for me. But and he's in the dugout standing next to somebody. But I see him. I'm going to walk up, congratulate him. And and I see him saying something, but he's not looking at anybody. And he says, just because I'm small doesn't mean I can't do big things. And I'm like, wow, what was that? 
He said, what do you mean? I said, who are you talking to? He said, nobody. He said, I just say that to myself sometimes. Easily my favorite, most emotional moment on a baseball field. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful, man. That's powerful. Number two, what does it mean to create your ideal business? The business needs to allow you to earn an income that is a fair value exchange for the, you know, the difference you're making in people's lives. So you need to to be able to make a, you know, a meaningful income. You need to be able to enjoy a lifestyle that makes you happy. I mean, I'm not saying, hey, it's freedom, go sip my ties on the beach all the time. It's but, you know, I mean, your business can't own you. Yes. And then you need to be fulfilled by the type of business that that you're operating. You need to be, you know, doing something that makes you happy, something that, that you're you're proud of and somewhere where you're making a difference. I think if it checks those boxes, that's what I call an ideal business. Yeah, I love it. OK, number three, this is one of your favorite sayings. I love it, too. What does you get paid for done mean? <laughs> You get paid for done is just kind of this thing that kind of started internally with my team because there'd be all these ideas and projects and everything else. And then it kind of spilled over to clients where people would start things like, you know, an outline of a book or I'm going to do an info product or we're going to implement this system. And, you know, things just die on the vine. It's like, man, you only get paid for what actually gets shipped. Don't get paid for what goes out the door. So, you know, better to get one thing to the finish line than start 10 things and not finish any of them. Yes, I love that. It's funny that you say that because one of one of my memories, I don't know why this sticks out, but like when we were doing all the events in Louisville, I had one particular yeah. guy, I can't remember his name, I can remember his face, but he came up to me one year. He's like, I'm going to create this info product. I think it was for baseball players. And so I sat down with him like, hey, man, like drinking a Heineken at the time because that was my beverage of choice and walked him through like, this is what I think you need to do. So off he went. And I think like a year later, I came back and I'm like, hey, man, how's that? How's that info product coming? It's like, oh, I haven't done anything with it yet. You know, and it was like, oh, but I'm going to get to it. It's like, but it was like this cycle like, hey, man, it's a great idea, but you got to actually get it done. So I love that saying. And I'm glad you yep. use it because, yeah, you don't get paid for ideas, man. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> number four, number four, why are you such a big proponent of follow-up? You know, I mean, I could probably give you a bunch of statistics about people not buying until certain amount of touch points or the average buyer, their transaction coming later. But honestly, it came from being a college baseball coach. That's just kind of how I learned to do things. Like you would never have been introduced to a recruit and got, got them to sign a letter of intent in that moment, right? Like you, that was just the process. It was, you know, you, you are introduced to recruits like one way or another. Like I, I may have coaches say, Hey, you should check this guy out. I may have seen him at a game or a tournament. You know, I'd send out direct mail to coaches saying, Hey, is there anybody you recommend? I'd ask players, but so same thing attract, right? We, now these people are visible. And then, you know, for the people who had some interest, There'd just be follow up. There'd be kind of a, a a meshing of phone and email and direct mail, tr- all trying to get them on campus, which was kind of the equivalent of like a front end offer, right? Yeah. And you know, you you had to get somebody to actually come visit before they were going to sign with you. Yeah. So that was just kind of the way that I always did things. And I felt like my sweet spot there was follow up. And some of it was because when I was a college coach, I was single and I didn't have a whole lot of other obligations. So it was fine for me. I'll go make more phone calls. I'll call kids in the Pacific time zone when it's late at night here. It was fine. I could just go do more and more of that. And it became a competitive advantage. So you know, I just like anybody, we kind of gravitate to our strengths and that had been a strength. So I just stuck with it. And I think it's played out probably even better in the business world because so few people do follow up. Whereas in college coaching, everybody did, Yep. you know, so it's probably helped me even more here. I love it. I love it. Okay. Last but not least, number five, what's next for Pat Rigsby? 
What are you working on? Uh, what are you excited about? Anything. Man, I'm excited about getting this house done. Get my <laughs> office put together, all that. Yes. I'm having fun with our coaching stuff. I don't, you know, I don't have any plans to change any of the the coaching that we're that me and my team are delivering right now other than to make sure that we're adaptable to whatever circumstances come our way. I am very much looking forward to getting some in-person mastermind meetings yes. back in play in 2021, but I think we've made the best of Zoom and a lot of touch points that way. So Honestly, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of looking forward to, you know, getting to a point where our clients aren't going one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, like it, just yes. where they can have some confidence in doing something and executing it and committing to it. Cause I, I'm such a, a believer in the perseverance and consistency stuff. And it's, yep. you know, it's not easy to be consistent when your circumstances aren't consistent. Yes. So, man, honestly, I considering the way things have been for a lot of people, I, I mean, I'm, I'm living the dream. We still get to go on vacation. We got a new house. Everybody's good. So hopefully what's next for Pat Reesby is probably not a whole lot different than yeah. what's current. I love it. I love it. That's a good situation to be in, my guy. Well, Pat, it's been awesome catching up with you today. Appreciate your time, as always. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great stuff you're doing? You know, the easiest place is probably patrigsby.com. I mean, I've got social accounts everywhere and all that stuff. But patrigsby.com, I mean, there's links to all my books, the you know free copies of all of them. There's links to anything that I've written or recorded or social accounts. So come see me there. Got a plenty of stuff available to uh, hopefully help help anybody who wants to delve into the business side of this. I love it, man. Well, thanks again for coming on, Pat. This was really awesome, buddy. All right. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Pat. Sincerely hope you enjoyed it. He's one of those guys where every time we chat, I either learn something new or if I don't learn something new, he gets me to think differently about something that I've maybe taken for granted in the past. So he's somebody I can't speak highly enough of. He's basically been the business advisor to both iFast and RTS since their inception. So if you have questions about running a fitness business or getting more out of your fitness business, I can't stress highly enough how much you should consider talking to or working with Pat. Now, with that being said, I just want to say, first and foremost, thank you so much for your support over the years. The show continues to grow. It continues to evolve. And the show wouldn't be where it is today without people like yourself. So if you enjoy the show, keep listening, keep downloading. And if you know of somebody else that would benefit, please pass the show along to them. The more people we have tuning in each and every week, I feel like the better our industry can become. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care. <laughs>